Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have pumped on in. The Giants have won the pennant. Welcome back to the Thompson to Clark podcast. Brad, this is episode 30. It's a mile. 30. 30 shows. That's pretty amazing. Man, that's nice. That's uh, nine shows above the legal drinking age, <laughs> which is always good. <laughs> when, you're, when you're below 21 shows, you always feel like you're just, you know. As I, as I take a sip from my uh, Four Roses <laughs> bourbon. Oh, yeah. That's a, you, you spoiled the surprise already, but that's a great one. That, that one is always on my list. Um, I got these uh, Four Roses small batch a while ago. Yes, yeah. That's what it is. Okay, yeah. That one is so tasty. And if you're a fan of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on uh, Amazon oh, Prime. I mean, I, I, I've only seen... I've only seen a few episodes, but I will say I, I'm a fan of her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've watched I've watched that series twice all the way through, um, just because I love the show so much. I love the era. Uh, I love yeah. I just love comedy. I love stand up comedy. Um, so I really got hooked on it. Uh, and Tony Shalhoub is fantastic as her father and it just absolutely hilarious. But Four Roses is actually the only bourbon in that show that I think I've seen. Oh, wow. Um, you know, anytime they pour a bourbon or a drink or something, they're always grabbing it and it's, and it's the old Four Roses bottle. So they probably had some replicas made of the old style label and everything. But but that 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 bourbon has a, has a huge history. So that that is a great choice. So I haven't, I, I wanted to go to the, to the uh, order from the, the wine, total wine, mm. uh, because you had mentioned the whiskey that you had, uh, that you had been talking about, yeah. um, the last time that we did this and Crystal, my wife mm. decided that she's going to take a timeout on wine Oh, and she, if she has a drink, she'll just drink her one beer because what she realizes is that because we're in the pandemic, if she has wine, she'll want to have another glass. But if she has a beer, she'll only want the one beer and that will, uh, you know, that'll be sufficient for her. So oh, yeah, 12 ounces of liquid right there. I mean, so, so I haven't got, I haven't made my order to buy, you know, the several bottles of wine. I think you have to buy like six or something to get whatever the discount is. And so that's when I also then order the next bourbon or the next whiskey. So I'll have to figure out because I think it's a hundred bucks. If it's been a hundred bucks for them to, um, bring it to you like that, that, that same day. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to buy a hundred dollars <laughs> worth of whiskey. That that's going to be too much. So what, what, what we like to do is, um, Oh wait, so you have to spend a hundred where you're to at. To get them to deliver. Yeah. Oh, see here it is 40. Oh, they'll uh, deliver for 40. Wow. They'll deliver for 40, but on top of that, there's a $10 charge. Yeah, we still have to pay the $10 oh, charge. Okay, sure. yeah, yeah, it's only 40 bucks here. Wow. Um, and so we've done that a couple times, but the nice thing with bringing my older one to dance class, which is uh, Tuesday night, which is when we're recording this now, so my wife's taking her. But what I'll do a lot of times is do the order, um, like on Monday or Tuesday morning, and it'll be ready for pickup in the parking lot. 
and you just pull into a slot and hop on the app and tell them you're there. Uh, that that's like, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a quarter of a mile away from her dance class. Mm. Drop her there. I head over the parking lot. That's smart. But then it sits in the back of my car and I'm, I'm then there for the last 45 minutes of dance wondering is it okay to open one and have this? No, I, I don't do that. I, I wait until I get home. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we get to the news, uh, is, what is on your plate as far as your alcoholic beverage? Well, after you saying what uh, what you have, now I kind of regret my decision. I, I'm, I'm enjoying this beer. But now I really want a rye or a bourbon, mm. so uh, so I think I kind of blew that one. But but that's not to say this is a fantastic beer. Uh, I am into during the, the winter, especially. I'm into 16 ounce cans. I really like the 16 ounce cans uh, because I have a couple of 19 ounce. Um, uh, uh, IPA glasses mm-hmm. or and, and some stout glasses that are 19. So when you pour a 12 ounce bottle or can into a 19 ounce glass, it looks so lonely. Mm. So I figured I got to go for the full pint cans. Sure. So I, I like... Um, Here's here's one that's in between you and I, so we can call it a local. It's it's probably halfway from me to you, and it's out of Auburn, California, uh, in Placer County. So when you guys are heading up to Tahoe, uh, you go through Sac, and then you hit um, you hit Auburn, and there is Knee Deep Brewing Company, hmm. uh, and they make some really really good beers. And this one I'm having right now is their Citra Extra IPA. So it's just a single hop IPA. Uh, this one. They use the Citra Hop, um, which is really good. A lot of aroma, really grapefruity, passion fruit, uh, citrusy, uh, kind of packs a nice little punch. And uh, it's only 7%, which is good because then I could drink the full 16 ounces at 7%, not feel bad, and still sleep like a king. Nice. Perfect. Um, Okay, so let's actually, before we even decided that we were going to record i mean we had, we had planned it but like before, yeah. right before we got on there was a little bit of news and that news is that the giants are close to signing nick Trapiano to a minor league deal he had a really good year last year and it looks like uh you know i i don't know what it means as far as um guys on the 40 man as it is maybe they have a move to make or, or if he is just uh, signed and and they plan to kind of sit him in the minor leagues for a bit because he went uh last year he pitched in seven games with the pirates 15 innings 19 strikeouts uh 1.15 era so had a really good short season so very small sample size not really indicative of what his career has been he's actually been much more of a starter in his career actually had uh he had he had some like I guess you could say average slightly above average seasons with the Angels as a starter uh yeah I mean they're not terrible his FIP was not fantastic uh but his ERA was good 
Uh, so when you look at him in his career, he's he's pitched in 49 games and started 39 of them, uh, but mostly a reliever in 2019 and 20. So it's a minor league deal. I was just looking this up real quick. It's a minor league deal with an invite to spring training for the major league club. So he doesn't take a, a spot on the 40 man right now. Uh, but out of spring training, if he makes the club, he'll take the 40 man. He'll, t- he'll take a 40 man spot right now. The 40 man roster is completely full. Um, and I, and, and I've, I've got the 40 man right here and I, I was just looking too, because I don't think McGee who the Giants uh, signed last week is even on the 40 man yet. Oh, so, so they still have to make room for him. They still have to make room for him. Uh, there are a couple of pitchers from my understanding that have arm injuries uh, that are on the 40 man that will go to the 60 uh, day um, injury list and that will free up a 40 man spot, but they can't do that until spring training officially starts. Got it. So McGee won't be an official signing. Uh, Tropiano can be an official signing because he's a minor league deal. Uh, so they can announce that tomorrow, whatever they have to do, but they can't announce McGee quite yet until he's officially on the roster. So that, you know, those little weird quirky things that you kind of learn as you play out of the park baseball, um, <laughs> you know, as a GM, you really learn these things. I think, 10 years ago, this stuff was so far over my head that I just kind of left it out. And I was like, well, let's see who's actually on the mound in spring training, because that's how I know they're with the team. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can actually tell, OK, this is why he hasn't been announced yet. This is why things are happening. But but yeah, for Trapiano, I mean, he was nasty. Uh, somebody had posted on Twitter, he had a point zero seven seven ERA um, or batting average against his slider. So if you notice the Giants this offseason have been going guy, going for guys who really specialize in one pitch, mm-hmm. not just the fastball, but they can feed that fastball um, and, they, and they can feed off the slider with that fastball. They can go back and forth. Two pitches really as a reliever. Uh, if you can master two pitches, you're nasty. And, and that's what they want. So it looks like he really went with that slider last year in 15 and two thirds. He had to 10.9 K per nine, uh, which is really good to, and, and a really low walk per nine at 2.3 uh, for a reliever. That's, that's really good for a starter. That would be fantastic if he can maintain that. Uh, so yeah, some really good numbers, really promising. The fact that the giants have been kicking around the idea and there's the rumor of a six man rotation for the giants. Um, you know, like we had heard about kind of the mixing of, uh, okay, we're going into, uh, you know, to play in this ballpark against this team. They're horrible against right-handers. Uh, so let's line up a couple of right-handers. And with a six-man rotation, you have a little more flexibility. Uh, you can kind of hold a guy out in the rotation and say, well, he's he's going to pitch against, let's say, Houston. Uh, so let's leave him out of this round uh, when we come through the rotation next time. He'll be in Houston. Houston to face them because he's a right-hander. They're horrible against right-handers, so let's do that. So I think they're going to be playing a lot more. I mean, as as we've seen, the Giants are moving to analytics and getting to be uh, almost a full analytic team, and, and this kind of plays into that because you got a guy who can come out of the pen, uh, pitch on the days where he would just pitch off the mound uh, in the bullpen uh, just to get, you know, 30, 40 pitches in. Well, maybe he can come in and relieve in a game. And then three days later, he can be the starter. So you've got a guy that you can mix in there, which is really nice. I, I like that flexibility. 
you were talking about the special specialization and McGee like threw almost exclusively fastballs last year. So yeah, so the, so that's definitely when when you have the specialization, you know, you can you can attack specific batters and you know the lineups in certain ways, and it becomes more like a puzzle than it than it is just like. Oh, we're just gonna let this guy throw eight innings, no matter what, and and no matter what happens. That's not how baseball works anymore. Yeah, exactly. And and you know he's thirty years old, um, and not a big investment minor league deal. He makes the club out of spring training. It turns into a major league deal. Uh, a deal doesn't cost them a ton of money. So one of those low risk, high reward type of guys. Why somebody else hasn't picked this guy up? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're now at February 16th as we're recording this tomorrow, pitchers and catchers report. So, uh, congratulations, Nick, you have somewhere to go tomorrow. So yeah, there you go. Uh, but he probably has to like sit out for some pandemic related reason for a you, couple days or something. I haven't heard about that. That was real big in the NFL. Um, you couldn't, you, you, a guy had to pass all the COVID tests and everything else. And I'm sure even though he's a free agent, I'm wondering if the free agents who haven't been signed, if they've been having to do tests, because we know that in order to come to spring training, you have to have um, uh, quarantined, I I believe, for five days before and two weeks prior or a week prior had like two negative tests. So it's kind of tricky. I mean, are we going to see him in a uniform tomorrow? Probably not. It'd probably be a few days, I would imagine, or maybe a week or two. But they don't play their first game until the 28th, so we've got 12 days before that. So so speaking of spring training, we have, we have like three topics that are sort of related to spring training in the minor league system. There have been, uh, everybody is doing their uh, farm system rankings, and the Giants are finishing higher on this list than they've finished on this list in in quite a while, because what happens is, is you you have a really good farm system, and then you bring those players up, or you trade them away to get other pieces, and then your farm system is depleted, and then you sort of go back down, and that's what would have happened before they started to win the the World Series is that they did, is that when you have a Buster Posey and a Madison Bumgarner in your farm system, a, a Brandon Crawford, a Brandon Belt. Yeah, your farm system's looking great. And when you bring all those guys up to your big team, yeah, then you kind of fall down in the rankings. But because the Giants have been retooling their farm system, I've seen them on lists in the top 10, top 12, uh, top 15. And one thing that is interesting is that because they're sort of on the flip side of what the Dodgers are, they're finishing ahead of the Dodgers, who historically... are like always in like the top five on these lists. I was about to say that. I was going to say, who who are we finishing above in each one of these? Mm-hmm. The Dodgers. And that's such a good feeling. If we could beat them in anything, <laughs> I don't care what it is. I, I'm fine with it. Attendance, uh, you know, uh, minor league rankings, um, you know, fans who like their colors better, anything. I don't care what it is. As long as we can beat the Dodgers in something, I'm happy with that. Yeah, so that yeah, that's yeah. kind of nice. But, you know, they're they're reaping the rewards right now. They're able to trade, you know, the Dodgers have been able to trade players away to get Mookie bets. They've been able to bring players up and go to the World Series and now win the World Series. So they're, so they're doing what we did, um, 
their minor league system has dropped down a little bit. Not not terrible. I mean, they're still like top 15, top 17 in most of them. Uh, but the Giants have definitely surpassed them. Uh, you know, this isn't the heyday of, you know, look at our our our, uh, our, our minor league guys coming up and Lincecum, Kane, Bumgarner. Look at these guys we have in the, in the waiting, waiting in the wings. It's kind of the opposite right now. The Giants are heavy in hitting prospects, a little light in pitching prospects. Uh, so it's a little bit of a reversal of fortunes there. But I think, um, you know, Brian Bannister and Andrew Bailey and those guys on the pitching staff, um, uh, on the pitching coaching staff, they, I think they feel more confident that they can also just grab guys like a Gossman, uh, Alex Wood, and then turn these guys around and and have good seasons with them uh, and then add that with what they have on the roster now. Um, elevate the, the Helio Ramos, uh, Luciano, Bart, Hunter Bishop, bring these guys up over the next couple of years, Luis Matos, and then then you can compete. And then all of a sudden, and, and things I've read the last couple of days, I am starting to see these things are getting a little exciting because I'm starting to see that, uh, giants, you know, their, their projection of competing is now 2022. So we're a year away from that now. I mean, think about that two years ago when we lost, what was it? 98 games. And now all of a sudden the giants are looking at possibly contending next year. So that's a quick turnaround. Uh, and, and all that credit goes to uh, Zadie and the regime now and building up that minor league system, you know, wizard of the waiver wire or wizard of the rule five draft. They've had some really good regular uh, first year player drafts. Um, some of the small moves that they made here and there. I mean, they, they've really done such a great job of building up this system. It's so fun to see. So we'll get to predictions as far as what we've seen. Now, this is not our predictions. This is kind of like the uh, the websites and they're using their own analytics and algorithms to predict how, how teams are going to do. Uh, we'll get to that at the end. But you had also uh, talked a little bit about um, the... Uh, Actually, no, you sent me an article about the non-roster invitees. And so if you are a little, you know, if you're a fan like us, you know, you're so interested in both the major league team and the people who are coming up, the guys who are coming up. If you have rookie cards of Lucky Luciano and and guys like that, you should pay attention, especially to the uh, early part of this spring training, because... The, the Giants announced 13 non-roster invitees, meaning not on the 40-man roster. Those, uh, I'll read. I'll read off the whole list, but I'll. I'll uh, you're gonna. You're gonna be happy with some of these names. So pitchers, right-handers Tristan Beck, Tyler Sear, Matt Frisbee. I hope he throws a curveball. I was gonna say I hope he throws a <laughs> slider, and it's not a frisbee because that would be a very very bad thing. <laughs> Uh, Sean uh, Gel. I forget. We we had sort of looked into the pronunciation of this. H J E L L E. Shell shell. I like to say shell because it sounds pretty cool. <laughs> the, the 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 tall six ten guy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Kai Wei Tang. And then catchers, Patrick Bailey, so former number one draft pick, uh, uh, first round draft pick, I'm sorry, for the Giants. Ricardo Genovis, infielders, Lucky Luciano, who is their number one prospect. 
Will Wilson, who they picked up in a trade with, I believe, the Angels. Um, he, he was a first-round pick of the Angels, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Logan Wyatt, and then outfielders, Hunter Bishop, Joe McCarthy, and Helio Ramos. So I think Ramos is like 21, and Luciano's 19. Yeah. So talk about the future of the team in uh, who, who are coming up, you know, through through four spring training it's kind of sucks that because this would this would have been a you know if they even played early you know sometimes these guys get sent down before games but i hope that they play in a couple of these games before they get sent back down because that would be that would have been fun have you ever been to spring training you know uh i went to spring training in 2000 and oh let's see six six or seven uh, my oldest was just born. So it was probably 2007, uh, cause she was born in August of 2006. So yeah, so it was 2007, um, went down with my parents. My parents have a timeshare in Scottsdale, um, and so we were able to go down there. Uh, my nephew and I, and my parents drove down and driving from Reno, uh, to, uh, to, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, is a long long, long drive. As you know, I mean, coming from the Bay area down to Phoenix, yep. uh, that that's a long drive. Uh, but from here down to there, you go through Vegas, uh, and then you hit Phoenix and then you hit Scottsdale. It's a long drive. When you're driving with my dad though, uh, it's a shorter drive <laughs> because he's got a heavy foot. So, we, so we got there pretty quick. We drove through Vegas, hit Vegas. And then, so we did it all in one day. Um, and it was fun. It was an absolute blast. Um, it was really cool because I got some great pictures. Uh, I will post those on Instagram. Uh, I got some fantastic pictures. Will Clark looking up and pointing at me. Mm. Uh, I kept yelling his name. Finally, he turned around. I got a picture of him pointing at me. Uh, got Boach talking to uh, Rich Aurelia. Uh, just all kinds of really cool, fun pictures. So we went to, I think it was, I, I was only there for two days and then I flew back because of work. Um, and my parents stayed down there, but I went to three games in two days. So we drove down there. Then the next day we went to a Giants day game. Uh, then the next day went to a, uh, Giants day game against the Royals in the Royal stadium. And then at night went to the Padres stadium to watch the Padres play against the Rangers. Um, which was like a 10 minute drive. So I think the game ended my nephew and I hopped in the car, drove to the other game and just kind of hung out there. That's cool. Yeah. And I remember sitting out in the grass of that Padres Rangers game. And then it got to the later innings and everybody was gone. I was like, (laughs) I mean, it's only like eight 30 at night. So we ended up going and sitting down, um, and I got to, you know, talk to Bud Black just a little bit. He was the Padres manager at the time. So I got to, hey, Bud Black, big Giants fan. Loved you in San Francisco. He turned around, gave me the thumbs up, goes, hey, th- you know, thanks, thanks. So that was kind of cool. We did, we had a really good time just kind of hanging out. So it's fun. It is, it is a dream, especially if you can take some time off during the week because it gets really packed on the weekends and then mm-hmm. it becomes like a scene. But if you're just wanting to watch baseball and you go during the week, like you could hit, like you said, a couple games a day if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and th- this was like a Tuesday, Wednesday. So it was it was super easy to get in. No huge crowds and just beautiful weather because it's Arizona. I mean, you know. 
So I say that because we got news that uh, there will be fans at the games starting, like you said, February 28th. So um, there was an article where Kapler was talking about having fans. I immediately cringed when I heard this. And I get it. Arizona is a little bit different than uh, California for sure. Now they're doing it safely. It's either in a pod of two or in a pod of four seats. So you're only sitting with people who you uh, are close to and who you theoretically would be quarantining with and then they separate the other groups of fans so that you are socially distanced based on where you are seating and i immediately thought okay let's say let's say our our wives were okay with this right (laughs) if some if, if someone said okay okay you know no traveling is involved. Like we don't have to do anything. Someone's like, here's a ticket. You and your buddy who you know are safe, go sit together, enjoy the game and then go home. Would you do it? You know, uh, that's a tough one. And probably I'd probably say no only because, uh, so, so, so my wife is vaccinated Um, I'm not, I actually get my first shot in two days, uh, because I will be going, I work for the court system. They want to fire things up. They want to get jury trials going again. So I'm kind of a frontline worker now at this point, uh, past all the real frontline workers. Now I'm, you know, into the second tier of frontline workers. So I will be getting my second shot, but the kids don't. Uh, and I still worry about that. I know kids are less susceptible to it, uh, but there's still that chance. And so I'm nervous about that. I wouldn't, I don't know how I would react if I somehow got my kids sick. So I, so I would have to say no to that. Now my parents are going down and they, they had exchanged their timeshare just to go down, uh, not for spring training, but they got it because uh, at the time, nobody thought that there was going to be a spring training when they booked it last year. Mm-hmm. So they were actually able to get a place really easy. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> my mom's like, oh, you know, she's a huge Giants fan. They're, they're allowing 750 to 1,000 people in. And so we're going to be down there during the first and second week of the games. And both her and my father have had their second shot. So they're fully vaccinated. Uh, So this is a a situation where this makes sense for somebody like them. Yes, you still have to wear a mask. Uh, You still have to be careful. You still have to be in a pod. You're separated, but they're fully vaccinated. So so that, that makes sense, I think, for them. I think that's an okay thing to do. I don't see a problem with that. I'm with you, I think. I as much as God, I would love it. Like it would it would it would at least if I could just do it once and then I'll be like, okay, I'll be fine to quarantine or to just kind of stay in my house for another three months or whatever, right? Yeah. But there is this kind of mentality that I have, which is we're all doing this together, you know, we're all being responsible together. Let's just wait for the vaccine. Even though we're going to get the vaccine at some point, we're still going to have to mask up. This is going to be, it's going to be still a long, 
uh, this is still a marathon in a sense, you know, even even with the vaccine. So I kind of am, am, am a little bit empowered just sort of standing with others who are in the same situation. So I'm not going to uh, to the Arizona area for spring training yeah, as much as I would love to because I've had such a blast the last few times that I've gone. So, well, and your kids are down there. So, and my kids are down there. You, I'm sure you want to see your kids. Your parents are down there too. Um, one one thing I have learned about the pandemic that will will has been true from the beginning and will be true until it's all over. Decisions you make are not easy. There are no easy answers. Everything's confusing, and the decisions you make no matter how much you struggle with them and come to a conclusion, other people will not always understand your decision. And, and that's just what it is. So that being said, trying to make a decision like that has to be for you and your family. And if you're like you and I, our neighbors, our, our community, our family, our people around us. So we make those decisions based on that. Other people may make decisions differently. So even though you may go to the stadium and think that everybody's like-minded and, and you're trying, you know, everybody's there and pulling together. I don't know what those other people have been up to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they get into the restroom and they rip the mask off and they go, masks are stupid. I don't know why I'm wearing this thing and start coughing all over the place. Well, so, so it's funny is yeah. uh, my one of my colleagues, she and her boyfriend went to Monterey for Valentine's Day. I think it was like it was on Sunday. It was Saturday. And she said that, you know, they, they specifically looked for reviews of uh, hotels that were doing things in, in the right way and you know the community is going to be okay and she said because it was also pebble beach right even though they didn't have the the golf tournament in the way that they usually do with the celebrity pro-am stuff there were still people around the area because of the fact that the golf tournament was happening and she said that you know there were people definitely anti-mask in Monterey, California, talking about what, you know, people are stupid for wearing masks. So that stuff is very well out there. Even in California, you would think that, you know, of all places in California, people were kind of all be sort of the same mind, but no, like does it doesn't matter really. Yeah. I mean, especially in a tourist area like Monterey, you're, it's a tourist area. You're going to draw people from all over the place. Uh, we're, we are going to Tahoe for spring break. Uh, we have a timeshare ourselves. We exchange it for places. Uh, it's in Vegas, but we exchange it for other places. This one we're doing for Tahoe this time. Um, and we research the place that we're going. Same thing. Uh, it's a two bedroom. It's got a full kitchen. So we're just bringing all of our own food and games. There's probably going to be tons of snow. We don't ski. Uh, we like to hike. We probably won't be able to hike. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to cook some meals. We're going to play some board games. We're going to watch some movies and we're going to hang out, have a good time. So that, I mean, you know, and, and it'll just be the four of us in the room. We'll go out, we'll take walks around the area. We might drive down to, uh, you know, down the mountain to some other places in Tahoe and whatnot. But again, throw on the mask, go into some shops, quickly come out and, and be done. But yeah, you just kind of have to, you got to take care of yourself when you do things like that. So, so same thing with going to a stadium during spring training, take care of yourself, 
and just, you know, watch out for the people around you because they don't all think the same way you do. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So the uh, last two topics that we have, and I said, we'll talk about the uh, predictions uh, in, in a second here. There has been talk of MLB wanting to fudge the baseball up a little bit because of the uh, the increasing amount of home runs. And I was kind of wondering what you thought about that from the perspective of, you know, we, we don't really, we understand a lot of the analytic side, but I am not a chemistry physics major to understand no, we, the spin we, rate and the ball and what happens when you take this off the ball and put that on the ball and what it happened and what happens when you put the balls in the humidors. Like, I don't understand that stuff. We went to San Jose state. <laughs> is, that what, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> we but, just weren't, we weren't majors in that. Well, we yeah. I mean, radio, you know, television and film and journalism. For sure. And for sure. We, we, we're, we're more creative than scientific, <laughs> but what, what, like, what just the, the theory, just the decision, just the hypothetical of the MLB wanting to change the ball because they see their sport going in a specific way. So, you know, instead of Aaron Judge hitting a ball very high that goes out, sometimes they want that to die at the warning track. What do you think of the, just the, just the thought process that goes into trying to make something a decision like that. It, it, it essentially changes the sport. The way the outcomes happen in the sport, there's going to be less runs. There's going to be, you know, maybe they hope that people, you know, don't swing for the fence. I don't think that's going to happen, though. No, and, and that was a bad example. Aaron Judge, when he hits a ball, it's not warning track anything. I'm just messing with you, but uh, I mean, he, he, I mean, he he crushes it. So it's it's going to be more like a guy like Dubon. I mean, Dubon's going to hit maybe five home runs in a 162 game season. I'll give him credit. Let's, let's go with ten. He's going to hit ten. Well, the ball now. What they want to do, and again, I don't understand all of this. I read the article a couple of times over, and I'm trying to understand. The the ball is going to be wound a little bit tighter, and it's actually going to be like a millimeter or two smaller. So it's going to be a little bit of a smaller ball, so which is going to cause, um, uh, with, with the ball being wound a little bit tighter, it's going to be a little bit more drag to the ball. So they're talking about, they did this in the KBO, in the Korean Baseball Organization, 2018 and 19 is when they, they, they did this to the ball. And slugging percentages went down 14%. Home runs went down by a third but the, but they had a a bigger baseball. They have a bigger baseball. Um, in the USA, the balls are smaller anyway, so they're even going to be a tiny bit smaller. I, I mean, we're talking millimeter, if even that. Uh, so th they're estimating that the home runs are going to be down about five percent. So that's about. So you take a thirty home run guy, okay? So so <laughs> which is funny because. We haven't had a 30 home run outfielder since Barry Bonds. Yes. And they're talking this year that could be Yaz. Yaz could be the 30 home run guy. Well, guess what? If they do this to the ball, 
a 30 home run guy could lose 1.5 home runs. <laughs> so now, yeah, this is going to be a 28 or 29 home run guy. So they're taking this away from us. But, but anyways, I, again, I'm not going to pretend like I understand the physics of it or anything else like that, but comparisons that they're using, it's, they're saying it's like bringing in the outfield wall and every field all the way around the outfield in are, are out about five feet. Which the Giants already did last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Giants brought the fence in, and now they're pushing the fence back out again. So they're, they're, they're saying the numbers are going to look a little bit more like 2017. Okay. And if you remember 2018, 2017, they set a record for home runs. Uh, in, in the league. So, so the ball was flying. This is not like this is all of a sudden we're going to be back to 2010 where the Giants are winning two to one ball games. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not going to be it. This is going to be a minuscule change. Um, and then uh, humidors, like you said about humidors too, five more teams are going to start using humidors. So that's going to be 10 teams in the league. So it's a third of the teams right there are going to be using humidors. So what does um, the humidor do to the baseball? So the humidor adds the humidity to the baseball, makes it a little bit heavier. Uh, so it's it, so when you go to Arizona, you're playing with a dry baseball. You're playing in really low humidity. Uh, their humidity in Arizona is about the same as ours here. During the summer, our humidity in Reno, Nevada, we are the high desert. We could be in like 5% humidity, 7% humidity. It's dry. Your nose bleeds. It's bad. Uh, so a humidor kind of takes that humidity or that, that, that lack of humidity away, adds something to the baseball and, and, uh, the baseball flies by the way, in, in non-humid conditions, really dry conditions, that ball just flies. It cuts through the air. No problem. So it's going to add like it's cutting through a little bit of fog, mm-hmm. so to speak, because it's got that, that, that uh, moisture to it. Uh, it's adding a little bit of that to it. Uh, I mean, how much is it going to cut back? Don't know. Uh, we really won't know until we see it. So these are only teams who play in the really dry areas. Well, and they're not even really listing the teams yet who are using the humidor, but but Arizona does. Uh, we know Colorado's been using it for years. Uh, so these are our eight other teams. Uh, I believe Milwaukee is one of them, uh, which I thought the northern states during the, the summer had really humid, nasty conditions. But a place like um, like uh, Milwaukee also can close up their stadium. Mm-hmm. So they can cut down the humidity. And I think this may be an interaction to it to say we're cutting down the humidity on the inside of the ballpark, but we're adding humidity back to the ball. So we're kind of equaling that out. So, so I'm wondering if it's going to be more of the closed stadiums like uh, uh, where the Astros play, um, Minute Maid Field, whatever they call it now. Uh, but those types of stadiums. So I'm wondering if that's going to happen. San Francisco, I don't see that being a problem. I mean, you've been to night games in San Francisco. You know how it is. I know how oh, it yeah. is. It, I mean, it can get humid. You're right on the bay. The fog can roll in. Things can happen. So uh, I don't I don't see that being an issue in San Francisco. The ball doesn't fly there at night during the summer anyway. So that's not going to be a problem. Well, because they have the, all the wind and stuff, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just knocks everything down. Yeah, and one thing I was shocked about, I didn't know that you could just change the baseball. 
when I had first read that, I thought, well, that's interesting. I didn't know you could say, I mean, because again, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Baseball is sacred with their numbers. Yes. So to change a baseball and and affect numbers, they're keeping guys out of the Hall of Fame who allegedly did steroids and probably did, but allegedly did steroids and changed numbers. But you can change the ball, but you have to go through the rules committee. And for all you rules heads out there, and I used to, I used to have a rule book when I was younger, uh, but this is rule 3.01 to 3.09. Um, you can change the ball if it goes through the rules committee, but this is such, this, this kind of plays, this, this lets you know how small of a change this is. This is such a small change that the rules committee and major league baseball agreed you don't need us for that. <laughs> that, that. That's such a tiny change. Just do that change. And this is all on Rawlings. Rawlings said, we have a new ball. They brought it to them in the beginning of 2020. They wanted to test it. Uh, and, and Major League Baseball, the beginning of 2020, said, hey, this whole pandemic thing is starting to happen. This is not a good year to test this ball. So we wanted to give it a shot. I don't know if they tested it in, say, the um, alternate sites, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the quote unquote minor leagues last yeah. year. Uh, I don't know if they tested it there, but they're going to put it into play this year. So we're going to see some numbers change. Maybe again, maybe guys are stronger now. Uh, launch angle is a thing, uh, but home runs are, 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 are uh, strikeouts are going up and up and up and up. So maybe this changes things. Maybe, uh, you know, the ball changes to the point where guys are making more contact. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things still to be seen through. This is probably going to take a couple of years to really get some accurate numbers out of what, got it, what it's going it. to do. So. I wonder, you know, talking about the humidor pitchers i wonder if they prefer i i mean i actually i don't wonder i would actually guess that they prefer a wetter baseball than a drier baseball i would think so the grip has got to be much better on a wetter baseball i would think um you and i have held uh uh really dry baseball, especially here in Reno, uh, where I coach, I coached little league for 15 years. Um, you can get some really, really dry baseballs. Uh, so we would, um, do whatever we could. We actually kept a little bit of just kind of some wet dirt, rub up the baseballs. Um, so, you know, that combined with a uh, ball coming out of a humidor, I would think a pitcher, a pitcher would, would definitely prefer that over something that's dry and you can't really get a grip on it. It's going to slip out of your hand. Your slider's not going to be the same. Your curveball is not going to be the same. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no. And because and we were hearing or we're reading that it's very in vogue right now for pitchers to find ways to doctor the baseball. I'm sure... It's always been in vogue for pitchers to find ways to doctor the baseball, but there's lots of articles out there now about, you know, they're doing some really interesting things to the baseballs and uh, it's, there's a gamesmanship aspect to it, but there's also like this thing where it, 
you know, we just you just talked about it, the Hall of Fame and, you know, the, the players get on steroids and, you know, everyone once once MLB figured out that if they didn't do something about it, they were going to get bad press. Then they started. But if there was some bad press about the pitchers doctoring the baseball, I would imagine that they would do something about it, too. But it seems still to be a little bit under the radar. I'm just so intrigued by it because I'm watching pitchers on the mound and I can't tell like like you know can you tell when something's going on like you know i I, you can see them rub something up you don't know if they got anything on their hand or anything on their wrist or maybe the third baseman when the ball comes around he's putting something on the ball but that stuff is so sleight of hand that i never even realized but i would love to learn some of these tricks about what these pitchers are doing (laughs) well well guys have said that is prevalent in the uh in major league baseball uh, 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 I mean, I, I think I've, I've heard up to 60 or 70 percent of pitchers are doing something. Yeah. And, it, and it's happening now. Uh, th- those guys are going to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Gaylord Perry got into the Hall of Fame uh, and we know what he did. He told everybody what he did. So that's that's the kind of funny thing about it all. So do you remember your because, you know, when we're young and impressionable, when we're watching the sport, do you remember seeing who was the first person you saw like get caught messing with the baseball? 80 oh what was that? The playoffs 88 Dodgers Mets. There was a pitcher for the Dodgers. Uh, I can't remember his name. Start with an H. Jay Horton maybe? Horton Ah, gosh, I can't remember. Uh, but he had a piece of sandpaper uh, glued into his glove in the playoffs. <laughs> and it was on national TV. Uh, I remember Bart Giamatti coming down, looking at the glove oh, with, um, oh, gosh, who was the, there was somebody who was the National League representative. President were, or Bill yeah, White or somebody. Yeah, Bill White. Bill White and uh, and uh, A. Bartlett Giamatti were both in the stands. They brought the glove. The umpires brought the glove over to them. They looked at it, said something, handed it back to the umpire, and the umpire tossed him. Wow. And then they showed later, I remember seeing it in a magazine, the, the, the sandpaper glued into that glove. And so that was the first time I remember seeing that. And then I think it was either Billy Hatcher or uh, Chris Sabo, the first exploded corked bat <laughs> that I can remember. So I went out and took my old wood bat shortly after because uh, we used to play uh, wiffle ball and, and tennis baseball in the front yard. Oh, yeah. I took my dad's drill set. I drilled right down the middle of it, uh, took a couple of his racket balls, shredded those guys up, threw them in there, and then corked that sucker. And I used to use that. Uh, <laughs> we'd, we'd go to the baseball field just to goof around and hit baseballs, and I would use that. And then I shattered that thing, too. So Wow. <laughs> I want to say it was Joe Necro mm, who... The master. So umpire comes out to check him. And Joe Necro does that that thing where he throws both of his hands out as if to yes. say, like, I got nothing. <laughs> oh, that's right. And as yes. he throws the hands out, like the little whatever he had, the he little through the uh, emery board. Yeah. Just yeah. flying out. And you're like, what, dude? Like everyone can see what you're doing. And the other one was uh, Mike Scott was always the one who 
It was like Roger Craig had them check Mike Scott's glove like yeah. every time he pitched against well, the that's, that's how he got the nickname Mike Scuff. Yeah. Yeah. And because he was so nasty at doing that. Here, Jay Howell was the pitcher for the mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for the Dodgers. And it I was, think he was their closer. Yeah, game three of the 88 NLCS against the Mets. Pine tar. So I was mistaken on that. I thought it was a glued piece of um, sandpaper in there, but it was pine tar in his glove. So, yeah, that was a classic. Awesome. <laughs> All right, last segment before we get out of here. Yeah. I told the family that uh, we're going to watch... Young Rock on NBC tonight. Oh, yeah. I got to set the recorder for that. So we could see some Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. So uh, what are the predictions like for the Giants this year? What what are they giving us as far as possibilities for making the playoffs? Well, uh, okay. Let me pull that up on my page here. I've got another one. So let's see. We've got the Pakoda. um, The old Pakoda projections from the for the 2021 season um pakoda is a baseball the baseball prospectus player projection system that's a mouthful (laughs) uh they don't like our chances they have us finishing 75 and 87 uh but that was before we did the signing today of Nick Tropiano. Yeah, you got to give us so at I, least one or two more wins <laughs> off of that one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but uh, but the, the Rockies are projected to win 60 games after they traded Arenado. So we're in good shape. We're not going to finish in last. Uh, but they have uh, Yaz and Listella pretty much leading our team. Uh, Listella is projected to finish second to Yastrzemski in Warp at 2.3 and Vorp at 25.7. <laughs> you tell me what those are and I'll give you a beer. I don't know. What Vorp, Vorp is, I think Vorp was war before war. Okay. So war, so war is uh, wins above replacement. Yes. I think Vorp is value over replacement player. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. So I wonder if warp is wins above replacement projection. Like, yeah. Something like that. I don't they're, know. They're, they're, they're very closely related, I'm sure. Yeah. So basically, Yaz and Listella are going to be our leaders this year uh, on offense. Uh, Gossman, they say, is going to have another great season. Projected to go 10-8 and eight with a 3.39 ERA. See, now that I understand. That's a, that's a that's a win loss record and an ERA. I yes. get that. Yes, uh, 169 Ks and 149 innings pitch. 149 innings is not a lot of innings to pitch, but if you go to a six man rotation, you know that's what we could be looking at. Uh, 10.2 Ks per nine. Um, the closer that that's what I wanted to kick around real quick. The closer thing is something that they were talking about. Uh, yeah. And next week, what we're going to do is we'll kind of go over positions and. Oh, OK, good. Yeah. We'll yeah. save that. I, I know we were we kind of talked about doing it this week, but I think uh, I think next week we'll kind of we'll have a better outlook, too, because they're going to be more a lot more writing about pitchers and catchers and then players. And so there'll be a lot more of like the preview stuff. Stuff. So we'll have a better idea what, you know, what they're thinking as far as players and, where the, and who's going to win out. 
Yeah, that makes sense because guys, right now it's Tuesday night, seven thirty p.m. Guys are just pulling into the uh, into the hotels at spring training, so they haven't even gotten there yet. So next week makes more sense. Yep. Um, and then one last thing, Fangraphs came out today with the 2021 postseason odds. Um, they have got, uh, let's see, they've got us at. The Giants at 7.9% chance of making the playoffs, which is not fantastic. Uh, the Dodgers, at, and this is why we're at 9, 9 7.9%. Dodgers are at 96.7% chance of making the playoffs. Padres are at 92.9%. So those are kind of your... Your leader in the West. Yeah, we got to play those guys too many times. <laughs> we got to play them a lot of times. Uh, the NL Central uh, is pretty ugly. I think they have, let's see, I'm just pulling it up right now. Uh, they've got uh, in the NL Central, the Cardinals, 36.2% chance of making the playoffs. And that's your leader in the NL Central, and the Brewers at 35.4%. So those two will be battling it out for first place. Uh, then in the East, the Mets 81.2%. So they pretty much have the Mets winning the East, and the Braves 67.8%. That so Braves team was pretty good last year, though. That Braves team was very good. And so in order for us to really make the playoffs, we probably won't pass the Padres. We need to get that last wild card spot. We need to somehow gain ourselves 60% chance <laughs> to get up <laughs> and pass over the Braves to get that final wild card spot. Because remember, they're not expanding the playoffs this yes, year. It goes um, back to what it was. Yeah, but 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 it was nice of them to hand a, a you know give a bone to the Rockies instead of a 0% chance, they have a, a 0.1% chance oh, wow. of making the playoffs. But, but who has a 0% chance of making the playoffs? That's the Baltimore Orioles. Zero <laughs> percent chance of making the playoffs. They're not wow. even sniff. Uh, I don't know what is that. Twenty wins. I mean, what they're <laughs> projecting the Rockies to have sixty wins to have a zero percent chance. You're looking at maybe forty wins, forty five wins for the Orioles. So, if you're an Orioles fan and you have a chance to go to the ballpark uh, this year, and they let fans in. You're probably going to have good prices. They're going to have good crab. Uh, I mean, that's what they have in Baltimore. You're going to have some fun stuff to eat and, and just enjoy a day at the ballpark. All right. So next week, we will have some stuff around the beginning of spring training here. And uh, yeah, we'll go over the positional stuff to see you know who we like uh, on the depth chart to to be the 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 starter at those positions. I think the closer one. I think you already mentioned this, but the closer one is super interesting because there is not. This is going to be a spring training battle here, and you know who who knows that who knows what the Giants will do if they don't find someone suitable in that spot. They just may go, you know super duper uh you know which 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 pitcher has the most success out of getting this batter out kind of stuff well and, and it could come down to i mean we have these uh slider specialty guys fastball specialty guys uh curveball specialty guys it could be the the next three guys we face in the bottom of the ninth suck against sliders so let's throw this guy out there so yeah it, it could get really really analytical because uh, there's at least four or five guys who are kind of in the running for that. So mm -hmm. it should be fun. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. Baseball is almost back again. 
and uh, we'll we're gonna talk about all this stuff throughout the throughout the entire season. And uh, I I can't believe we're having another pandemic season, but we are. So we're going to have to. Are they still doing the cardboard cutouts and all that stuff? I don't know. Uh, I went to the Giants website uh, today and it just showed uh, where you could do the cardboard cutouts. But I I didn't click on it because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to feel bad. I didn't want (laughs) to look at that and say, oh, they're still taking cardboard cutouts. So, (laughs) but no, I mean, they've, you know, the the letter that went out from, um, uh, was it, was it, uh, was it Larry Bear? Yeah. From Larry Bear. Uh, a few, about a month ago or or mid January where he said that they are working with the city. They're working with the County, um, on, uh, and the state to basically say, can we have fans if we can, how can we do it? Um, so I, I mean, the vaccine, the vaccine rollout needs to happen faster. It needs to get big. It needs to be, you know, 7,000, 8,000 people a day. They really need to roll it out a lot faster and have more vaccines. Well, what did President Biden say? Uh, end of june or july he thought that the majority of of us would be vaccinated by yeah so so we could be looking at you know after the all-star break i mean they could be looking at that all-star break i believe is july 12 13 14 this year so it could be after that 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 could be a pinpoint for a lot of clubs i mean florida is going to do whatever the hell they want right arizona is going to do whatever the hell they want so they're going to have fans so the so the players are going to play in front of fans in certain cities in San Francisco, I don't see it happening in the first few months. Uh, things could change, but they, you know they're still kicking around ideas. So who knows? Well, hopefully, hopefully yeah. soon. You know, let, let, we'll, we'll talk about this again. Well, we'll probably talk about this every week, but we'll we'll look at it a little <laughs> it's bit not more going away. realistically post June, July. I think we'll have a better idea of what's going on there. Okay, so. Uh, That is it from here for Brad. I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.